Thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nvplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. And so today we're going to attempt to close this series, and I'm going to recap in five minutes, five weeks, for those of you who this is your first time here with us so you could be up to par with where we're at um, but before I do that I want to say there is none like you no one else can touch my heart like you do I will search for
Your name is great. Your name is mighty. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Does anybody here love Jesus? Yeah. Woo. Oh, my God. Have a seat, please. of you that are here for the first time and you don't have Jesus in your heart, and you might ask, Pastor, what does that mean to not have Jesus in my heart? Well, you probably have not made a decision for Christ. I remember when I got saved. I got saved on August 16, 1989, under a tent in the city of Bronx, New York, 149th Street, Brook Avenue. Never forget. That day changed my life. It marked me for the rest of my life. Somewhere between almost 11 o'clock at night, a preacher just like me asked, who wants Jesus? And me, unafraid, there was hundreds of people in the tent. I lifted up my hand and I said, I want Jesus. And from that day on, my life has taken a better course. Today, the Lord brought you here today because he wants you to have the opportunity that all of us here had at one point in our lives where we accepted Jesus, his love, his grace, and his forgiveness. And so I'm going to preach a sermon. And at the end of the sermon, I'm going to count to three. And that's going to be your cue. That's going to be your moment to raise your hand and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I've been praying that God would save you today. I would, I've been praying that God would bring you back home today and as you raise your hand the entire church we're just going to celebrate you because the bible says that for every person that gets saved there's a party in heaven there's a celebration in heaven and we're going to join heaven celebration when you raise your hand at the end of the sermon and we're going to welcome you in and you're going to be born again and you're going to be a child of god and so that's going to happen as soon as i finish preaching we believe in God the Father, we believe in God the Son, we believe in God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit is here right now. He's moving. And as God's Word is being preached, His Spirit is going to be talking to you. And He's going to be ministering to your heart. And he's going to prepare your soil. Because at the end, He's going to tell you, now, come to the front. Receive Jesus into your life. And that's going to happen in about 40 minutes after I'm done preaching. So get ready. And church, as we're preaching, pray in the spirit that God may save people today. Here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to recap where we are in the, in the series. Today is the last sermon of the book of Revelation. I told you all that the book of Revelation, to, better get, to get a better grips of the book of Revelation, you have to break it down in three major components or three major parts, which we call the three pillars of the book of Revelation. Pillar number one is quintessential. It's paramount. It's essential. It's necessary for this pillar to take place. And this pillar is what we call or represent or represents rather the rapture of the church. First Thessalonians, the Bible says, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a, with a shout and with a trump of God and the dead in Christ will be raised first then we who are alive who remain will be caught up with him and be in the air with Jesus so the first event is the rapture of the church book of revelation the second pillar is the 
what we call the second coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus is not coming in the rapture. We're going where Jesus is at in the rapture. This is called the second coming because Jesus came one time already. Over 2,000 years ago, he was born in Bethlehem. And when he came, the Bible says that he, he came to his own and his own received him not. And so when he came, he came as a baby. When he came, he came as a human. When he came, he came as a lamb. But when he comes back in his second coming, he's coming as a king. So the first pillar is the rapture of the church. The second pillar is the second coming of Jesus Christ. And the third pillar is the judgment of the great white throne. And then from here, you jump into chapter 20, 21 of Revelation, and you capture the rest of that. Where we are today, we're going to continue where Pastor John left off last Sunday. The millennial reign of Christ starts right here after this Jesus second coming. Now, for those of you that are here for the first Sunday, let me give you a four-minute recap. Four minutes. We're right here in the history of mankind, right here. The rapture hasn't happened yet. We're standing right here. But if you go to Genesis, because you have to look at the Bible linear, not circular. When you go to Genesis, from Genesis to the rapture, there are six dispensations. Dispensations are seasons or eras or moments in time where God dealt with mankind. So there's seven, but from here to the rapture, there are six. The seventh dispensation happens here, which is the dispensation of the great tribulation. But we're not going to talk about that yet. Where are six dispensations from Genesis chapter 1 when God created Adam to the rapture of the church? Dispensation number one, or era of time, is what we call the dispensation of innocence. What's the dispensation of innocence? When God created Adam, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, let us make man in our image and likeness and let him have dominion, subdue the earth, replenish the earth, and multiply it. In other words, when God made Adam, Adam was in his perfect state, state of innocence. From the state of innocence, you have the dispensation of consciousness, which means that now Adam, because of sin, is aware of the satanic work and he is aware of the sinful nature that the devil presented. Now it's important you realize, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute. From innocence to consciousness the devil disguised himself as a serpent. That's a serpent. And y'all know the story. The serpent came to Eve and said, so God said not to eat the tree. And no, no, no. Well, what happens is he don't want you to eat the tree because he knows that you're going to be like God. And when they ate they enter into the state of consciousness. From the dispensation of consciousness, now you have the dispensation of human government. Which is now man, Genesis chapter 6, Genesis chapter 11. Man now has to create a system of, of how to maneuver themselves, humanly speaking, after the fall. Because here, they were living in the Garden of Eden. After the fall, now they have to live away from God. And now this era called the human government dispensation is where man is trying to get things right. But he can't. So what does God do? He takes him from the dispensation of human government. He takes him to the dispensation of Abrahamic promise. 
Genesis chapter 12, when God told Abraham, look at the skies and look at the stars and try to count them and look at the sand and the sea. And as, as, as difficult as it is for you to count them, so shall this, your descendants be. And I will bless those that bless you and I will curse those that curse you. And through you, I will bless all of the families of the earth. So now you can turn into the dispensation of the Abrahamic promise where God makes a promise to Abraham where we all are part of that. From the dispensation of Abraham, the Abrahamic promise, now we enter into the dispensation of the law. Which is now when God gave Adam, I mean, God made, God gave Israel ten commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit murder. Thou shalt not keep the Sabbath. Honor thy father and thy mother. The ten commandments, because now it's trying to give them, God is trying to give man structure and order so that man could come back to God. But the problem was that the commandments and the law was so hard to live up to that we can, we can please and appease God's righteousness. So what does God do? God sends his son Jesus. And Jesus didn't come in the dispensation of Abrahamic promise. He didn't come in the dispensation of human government. He didn't come in the dispensation of, of uh, consciousness. And he didn't come in the dispensation of innocence. He came in the dispensation of the law because he knew that nobody on earth was able to satisfy God's righteousness. So he said, since nobody can live up to the law, I'm going to come to the world and I'm going to fulfill the law. And But when I fulfill the law, I'm going to die on the cross. And when I die on the cross, my blood is going to be the sacrifice that satisfies God's righteousness. And now I'm going to be able to save mankind because of my sacrifice. So when Jesus died, the dispensation of the law switched and stopped into the dispensation of the grace. And right now, since Jesus died and rose from the dead, we are living right now in the dispensation of grace. From the dispensation of innocence to the dispensation of conscience. From the moment Adam became aware of himself, there was a clock that started ticking. Tick, 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 tick. It was ticking, tick, tick. When Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood, and he turned law into grace, the clock stopped ticking. Now, the clock is not broken. It, it ain't broken. God put the clock on pause. Because as long as Jesus is sacrificed and Jesus is blood and the dispensation of grace is still in full effect, the clock will not start ticking until the church goes up in the rapture. Once the church goes up in the rapture, because Jesus went to heaven. When Jesus went to heaven, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be on the planet. Right now, the Holy Spirit, which is God, is here. But when the church goes up in the rapture, with the church, the Holy Spirit is leaving. Once the Holy Spirit leaves, the clock starts ticking again. Tick, tick. And it's going to tick for seven years. So from the rapture of the church to the second coming of Jesus Christ, there's a seven-year time span that's going to happen. Now, while this happens, some things will happen to us in heaven, and some things are going to happen here on earth till Jesus come back. What's going to happen up here? We're going to go to heaven. Thank you for your excitement. We're going to go to heaven, and we're going to be in the wedding of the Lamb. And in the wedding of the Lamb, we're going to go through the judgment seat of Christ, 
and the judgment seat of Christ, God talks about giving us five different crowns, the crown of life, the crown of righteousness, the crown of, of the crown of death, the, the crown of life, the crown of justice, the crown of, of affliction, five crowns. He's going to, based on what we've done while we were here, winning people for Jesus and doing work for the Lord and serving God and being faithful, based on what we've done here, when we go to heaven, God's going to give us depending on what we've done, different kind of crowns. Why he's going to give us crown? Because when he comes back, we're going to reign with Jesus on the earth. So while this is happening up heaven, in heaven, several things are going to happen here on earth. But we're not going to be here because we're going to be caught up in heaven. Here's what's going to happen. The Bible talks about seven seals. The Bible talks about seven trumpets. And the Bible talks about seven cups. Now, the seven seals is judgment of God coming upon the earth. Coming upon the earth. And, and we talked about that. Watch, hear the message on podcast. We have it. We have the seven trumpets. And the first four trumpets are first four horsemen. The white horse, the black horse, the pale horse, and the, and the red horse. And all of these horses represent different powers. But the first white horse is the representation of the Antichrist. Now here's what's going to happen. When the church goes up, you have to see this. Billions and billions of people are going to disappear. From here to here is what we call the tribulation period or the dispensation of tribulation. But in between the seven years, right in the middle, three and a half years, the tribulation changes from the tribulation period to the great tribulation. Now, why is it called tribulation and great tribulation? What divides the three, the seven years and three and a half. That's a good question. Remember, when the church goes up, millions and millions and billions of people are going to disappear. There's going to be Christian pilots flying planes, going to the rapture. Can you see that? He's going to. He ain't got time to put an autopilot. He ain't know what's going to happen. People going to be driving to work, Christians. People going to be at their office typing. All of a sudden, psh, disappear because we're going to get caught up. Now, here's what's going to happen. While all this panic is happening, the guy on the white horse, the Antichrist, he's called Antichrist because he's going to act like Jesus. He's going to act like a savior. He's going to act like a hero. And so here's what happens. All these billions of Christians, they have jobs. When the rapture goes, you know what's going to happen? There's going to be mad opportunity for work. People who don't got jobs are going to have jobs. And this guy... They're going to accredit the economy system to this guy, to the Antichrist. So once the church leaves, there's a lot of vacancy. And so people are going to be well off, although there's going to be calamity. Because the seals are being broken and stars are going to be falling from heaven. I got time to talk about that. I talked about it three weeks ago. Now here's what happens. So he comes three and a half years. After the three and a half years... He's going to show his claws because he's been hiding his claws all these years trying to win the people to love him and to worship him. Man, God, this, this Antichrist, he has solved the problems of the world. He is amazing. He has brought peace. There's no war. There's no crisis. The economy is well. Yeah, things are falling from heaven. But they're, they're, And here's what happened. After three and a half years, he's going to show up his claws and he's going to say, now I want you to worship me. He's going to move out of Rome and he's going to establish his throne in Jerusalem. And he's going to say, now everybody here has to worship me. And that's when... The system of the mark of the beast is going to be full throttle. That whoever doesn't have the mark of the beast, which is the 666, the 666 on their arms or forehead. And I already told you what that means. He's going to show up his claws. And then the great tribulation begins. Because now, 
there was no war here. It was just stuff falling from heaven. But now there's going to be a battle and a war against Israel. And the 144,000 are going to go disperse. But while this is happening, then you have right here this thing called the War of Armageddon, the, the Battle of Armageddon. And in the Battle of Armageddon, the Bible says that the river Euphrates will dry up, preparing the way for the armies of the east and the armies of the east we're talking about russia we're talking about china we're talking about asia they're all going to come and they're going to come where they're going to come to fight against israel because the peace we have the war we have now and this tension in the middle east when the antichrist comes he's going to bring peace ain't going to be nobody trying to kill and destroy israel this guy's going to bring peace but after three and a half years war is going to happen that's what's called the great tribulation because on top of things falling from heaven and scorpions coming out of the earth, now they're fighting against each other and all this is going to happen. And right after the battle of Armageddon, those of us that were in heaven having a party and getting crowns, while all this is happening now here, we're going to come back with Jesus and Jesus is going to be riding a horse and all of a sudden he's going to come down and he's going to come and establish his kingdom to the glory of God. If that don't excite you, Second coming of Christ. Now, it's crazy. Tomorrow I'm going to Israel. For a couple of days, I'll be back soon. And, and, but in 2007, God gave me the opportunity to go to Israel. And I went to the Valley of Armageddon. I went to the Valley of Armageddon. It's between Mount Horeb. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. It, it's called the Valley, but it should, be, it should be called a country. Because it's so big. It's so big. It's so big. It's huge. I mean, it's so big and so long and so wide that the eye, you can't see where it ends. And, and, but it's interesting because when I got there, I saw, I saw air, uh, airport strips, like, 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 a, like you know, the, the runway of an airport. And I asked the guy, the, a guy, I said, listen, why is there an airport strip here when there's no airport here? Why, why is there a runway, rather, when there's no, I don't see an airport, I don't see a terminal, I don't see airplanes. And the tour told me, no, no, is that we live by the Bible. Know that there's a battle going to happen, the battle of Armageddon, and so we're already ready. So when it's time to have that battle, this is crazy. This is in 2007. We're already ready, and we got we got battleships ready, so that when this battle happens, because we're believing that Jesus is going, the Messiah. They, call, they don't call him Jesus. That the Messiah is going to come, and so we're getting ready for this battle. I'm here to tell you, if Israel is getting ready, we gotta get ready as well. So this week, I'm going to Israel. I'm going to take pictures. If you don't follow me on Facebook, shame on you. Follow me because I'm going to start posting all those pictures of the Armageddon Valley. It's going to be crazy. So Jesus is going to come back to establish the second pillar, which is called the millennial, the, the second coming of Christ. And the second coming of Christ is then going to activate the millennial reign of Christ. What is the millennial reign of Christ? That Jesus is going to come down to earth to reign with us for a thousand years. Now, these thousand years that Jesus is reigning with us, the Bible says that Jesus, when he comes, when Jesus comes in the second coming, he's going to take the dragon, which the Bible says in Revelation that the dragon is the devil. He's going to take the false prophet and he's going to take the beast, the Antichrist rather, and he's going to bind them for a thousand years. Notice how God works in, in threes. God the Father, God the Son, got the Holy Spirit. The devil always imitates God. So he's got the Antichrist, he's got the dragon, and he's got the false prophet. Always operate like that. But anyway, that's another message. Look, look what happens. 
So this devil, which the Bible calls the beast, which by the way, in Genesis, in the dispensation of innocence, remember I can't innocence? Who was the one that deceived Eve to eat from the fruit? The serpent. And the serpent in Genesis is the devil. But John in Revelation, he don't see a serpent. He sees a dragon. Meaning that the serpent evolved from a little snake to this big dragon. Copycatting Christ. When Jesus came, he came as a little lamb. But when Jesus comes back, he's coming as a lion of the tribe of Judah. He's coming as a dragon. Now, now, what gave the power to the devil to evolve from a serpent to a dragon? Sin. Sin. He started as a little snake. And the more he caused sin and sin and sin, he started getting greater and greater. And now these seven years of, of tribulation, he's going to start seducing men and women to not accept Christ. To not accept Christ because in every dispensation there's salvation. And so there's going to be people. And so once the devil sees that he has the army of the east, when he has Asia and China and Russia and all of these armies ready to fight against, Egypt, against Israel, he's going to feel like a dragon. But what he doesn't know that who's going to fight him is not a little lamb anymore. Who's going to fight him is the lion of the tribe of Judah and with one word he's going to destroy the beast, he's going to destroy the false prophet, he's going to destroy the antichrist, lock him up for a thousand years now listen for a thousand years now it's called the millennial kingdom of Christ because Jesus is coming to establish his kingdom when Jesus came, he was establishing the principles of the kingdom. That's what he would say, my kingdom is not of this world. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer. The kingdom of heaven is like a master. But now, he's not coming to give us typologies of the kingdom. He's going to establish his kingdom. And where does he come to reign? He's coming to reign in Jerusalem. And he's going to build his temple in Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem? Because the Antichrist, at the end of the three and a half years of peace, to the three and a half years of war, he's going to leave out of Rome, he's going to go to Israel, and the Mount of Olives, he's going to establish his kingdom, and he's going to say, whoever doesn't worship me is going to be beheaded. And he's going to think he's king over Israel, but when Jesus comes, he's going to give the devil and the Antichrist an eviction, kick him out of Israel, and Jesus is going to establish his kingdom in Israel. Look what it says. Zechariah chapter 6, verse 13, it says... It is he, speaking of Jesus, who will build the temple of the Lord and will sit and rule on his throne. Why he's going to Jerusalem to do this? Because God made a covenant with David that there was going to be an eternal kingdom for all of the Jewish people, but also the Gentiles as well. Now listen to me. It's going to come to pass. This new temple is going to come to pass in the millennial reign of Christ. So Jesus ain't coming to earth he ain't got nothing to do with his time. Jesus is coming with an agenda. Jesus is coming back to earth. Now, now, why doesn't he come through this period? Because you ask, well, why, why is Jesus killing all these people and all this stuff happening? Jesus ain't killing nobody. How many of you guys ever bought a used house? A used house or a used car, right? When you buy a used house, a used house, usually they leave it messy, right? They leave it messy. The walls it's dirty, they have holes on the wall, you got to patch it, right? The rug is disgusting. Some people even leave dirty furniture, right? So when, when, when you get the title of the house, 
what you do is first thing you do is clean it because you ain't going to bring in your children to a dirty house when the rapture happens the seven seals and the seven trumpets and the seven cups it's God cleaning the earth so that when we come back we're coming to a new heaven and we're coming to a new earth and you may say, but that's not fair because what's going to happen to all these people that they're going to know? The problem is that right now they don't have to go through this because right now we're living right here. That's what the Bible says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. For whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So if you don't receive Jesus now, it ain't God's fault you're going to go through here. That's why, friend, today is your day of salvation so that you don't have to go through this calamity. So when the church goes up, God is cleaning the earth cleaning purging cleaning 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 because when he comes back he's coming with the title of the world in his hands because he's going to establish his kingdom on earth so when he does that he's going to be king now here's the deal i gotta hurry up what the question is because when we go when we go to heaven right we're going to be in heaven for seven years listen church listen church god ain't going to take us to heaven, you know, people leave that, oh, I can't wait to go to heaven. Mama, you're only going to heaven seven years. After seven years, they're going to kick you out of heaven. You don't belong in heaven. You're going to come back to earth. And so the question is, when I come back to earth, what kind of body am I going to have when I come back? Have you ever asked that question? Am I going to be fat? Am I going to be skinny? I'm going to be your body going to be when you go to, when, you, when, you, when you come back? How is your body going to be at the millennium? The Bible says we're going to have glorified bodies. The key word in that phrase is not glorified. The key word in that phrase is body. Body. Because people feel, oh, I can't wait to go to heaven. I'm going to be flying in heaven like a spirit, like an angel. No. Listen, you're not going to be an angel. You're not going to be a spirit. You're going to be a human body, but a glorified body. That's important for you to capture. Now listen to this. We're going to have glorified body. Look what the Bible says in Mark chapter 12, verse 25. Check this out. Because this might sound like a contradiction. It says, when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Now you may think, well, pastor, what do you mean we're going to have a glorified body when the Bible says we're going to be like angels? It doesn't make sense. God is going to give us a glorified body. When Jesus rose from the dead, there's this guy, one of the Jesus' 12 disciples, his name is Thomas. They call him Doubting Thomas. When Jesus rose, Mary and Peter told themselves, yo, Jesus resurrected. And Thomas said, I don't believe it. Unless I see with my hands and I touch his scars and I touch his side, I won't believe. And Jesus, the Bible says, this is crazy, Jesus showed up and said, Thomas, you don't have faith. He said, blessed are those who believe without seeing, right? And then he made Thomas touch him. If Thomas touched him, it's because he touched a body. But that same body, the Bible says that Jesus walked in through the walls and showed up in the house talking about holla. So his body 
was a human body because the Bible says after he rose, he ate fish with his disciples. He ate. But that same body that ate fish walked through walls. And that same body that walked through walls was touched by Thomas. And that same body that was touched by Thomas, 40 days later, they saw him rise to heaven. That's the kind of body you and I are going to have. So when the Bible says in Mark chapter 12, 25, that we're not going to marry, nor be given to marriage, that we'll be like angels, you have to understand the context of that scripture to understand why Jesus is saying that. First of all, Jesus is replying to an answer that the Sadducees are asking Jesus. In the times of Christ, you had the Pharisees, you had the Sadducees, you had the scribes. The Sadducees believed practically 90% of the theology of the Pharisees, except that the Sadducees did not believe in resurrection. They didn't believe in resurrection. That's why when Jesus died and rose from the dead, Sadducees didn't believe that because Sadducees, Sadducean theology does not believe in resurrection. So they asked Jesus a question to try to trap him. So when you read that scripture, you got to read verse 41, verse 39, verse 40 to understand the entrapment they were trying to bring Jesus. So based on the fact that they're talking about resurrection, Jesus says, no, Papa, but, but don't worry about it. Because the body that is, look what he says, look what he says. He says, when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor give in their marriage. They will be like angels in heaven. He's responding to the answer, but he's not saying that we're going to be like angels. Understand this. Because if, if, if we become angel-like, then God's purpose for a man in Genesis chapter 1 was pointless. And God's purpose always comes to pass. So if he made us bodies and he commanded us to procreate and to fill the earth, you know what's going to happen when we come down? We're going to be bodies and we have to procreate and we have to fill the earth. The difference is that between the fall of man to today, we're having babies and children and families in sinful nature. The difference is now we're going to procreate with a glorified body. Oh, I feel like preaching right now, but let me take it easy. 1 Corinthians, glorified bodies, 15, 42, 42 says, so will it be in, with the resurrection of the dead, that the body that is sown is perishable, it is raised in perishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. This, this body is going to be so glorious that the Bible says we will be imperishable. What does that mean? You won't get old. Ah, no Maybelline. No gas tanks. Can you imagine you won't get old? And you're like 775 years old, and your cake can't handle all the candles, and you still look like you're 22 years old. Can you imagine that? An unperishable body. That's what the Bible says. Not only is it going to be an imperishable body, the Bible says it's going to be a body full of glory. Can you imagine that? Put that verse up. Put that verse back up. A, bo a body of glory. Glory. It is raised in glory. That body that was in dishonor because of sin and because of the enemy, when we get glorified, our bodies will glorify God and everything we do. And it's going to be raised in power. 1 Corinthians 15, 48, 49 says, As was the earthly man, so are those who are on the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so are those who are in heaven, of heaven rather. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly 
man. In other words, we will have a body that will have the capacity to operate in heaven and to operate on earth. Can you imagine that? That means once, you, once you're here, let me go to Jupiter real quick. In a second, you're in Jupiter. You ain't got to take a flight, go through TSA, none of that. I want to be I want to be under the sea for like seven weeks. You could be under the water for seven weeks and not catch a breath. How do you think Adam named all the sea creatures? Adam must have spent months under sea. You're a hippopot, you're your 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 octopus, you're a sea fish, you're a starfish. Come up, go get a mango tree, go back in seven more weeks. He had a glorify, he, he was perfect. We're going to have a glorified body. We're going to have a supersized body. Our brain, our brain only operates 10%. When we have a glorified body, we're going to operate 100% of our brain. Can you imagine that? Some people are genius with 10% of a brain. Imagine using 100% of your brain. You're going to have the mind of Christ. That's why Paul says, Paul says, Papa, God, there's some things that God can't show us because we're not ready for it. But then he says, on that day, there are things that eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, nor enter the heart of man. Those are the things that God has in store for them, for them who love them. And what he's going to give it to us when we're at a place and in a position where we are glorified. That we, You know what it is to understand everything about God, to know everything about God, to know everything about purpose, to know everything. That's why the devil is trying to cause you to stay back here because he knows that once you get caught up, you're going to be like God. And the more you look like God, the more he hates you. You might be a governor, I don't know, in Ukraine. You might be a governor in, in Afghanistan. You might be a governor in Puerto Rico. I don't know. They might not be Puerto Rico. might have new names. And I want to visit. Hey, Wes, I'm going to go visit you in Ukraine. Bam. 1.2 seconds. I'm in your house. Talk about, let me get some patelillos real quick. Supersonic bodies. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. He would show up. A glorified body. That's how we're gonna be. That's why church. That's why church. That 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 little. Listen to me. I ain't going to church because I got diabetes. I ain't going to church because I got cholesterol. I ain't going to church. Listen, listen. If you're faithful, you ain't gonna have to deal with cholesterol. You ain't gonna have to deal with diabetes. You ain't gonna. Have, but but you, but you gotta be faithful. You gotta be faithful. I'm gonna take my diabetes self to church. I'm gonna take my cholesterol self to church. I'm gonna take my toe hurt to church because I don't know when. But once that trumpet sound, this corruptible body will be incorruptible, and I'll be like Jesus. Another question. Will we have our family when we go when we come back down? Some of y'all are like, oh, I can't wait to go to heaven. I got a new wife. It's done. It's over. Because <laughs> the Bible says we're gonna be like angels. We ain't gonna have man. Who, that con that's out of context. 
My wife is screwed. Because she, she has to live with me on earth and she's going to live with me in the millennium. She, she ain't going <laughs> to... so funny. Babe, you're going to have to deal with me, girl, in the millennial. I'm talking about it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to glorify body. You're going to go crazy with me. But listen, people feel that, no, we're not going to have children. We're not going to have families. God's plan will never be annulled because of sin. In Genesis chapter 1, God said, be fruitful and replenish the earth and fill the earth. When we come back in a glorified body, understand that most, that half of the population will be in the lake of fire, dying in the seven-year tribulation. And so we have to replenish the earth. The difference now is I'm going to be raising children in glory. Now, here's another question. Here's another question. Another question. So, Pastor, I've been married three times. So who's going to be my wife when I go to heaven? Who's going to be my wife? Is it going to be the first one? Please, God, no. Please, God, no. Is it going to be the second one? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that question, but I can tell you this much. I can tell you this much. You're going to have a family in heaven. Now, there ain't going to be no polygamy in heaven. Because there, they are, there are men here that, that are widows because their spouses died. And vice versa. There are women that their spouses died and they're single or they probably got remarried, what have, what have you, what the case may be. But when we come back, I can't answer that question. I don't know. I don't know. And this was, and this was the debacle that, that the Sadducees had. But I, I, I don't know which of, we shouldn't have more than one, but. But I don't know which of the wives is going to be yours or which of the husbands is going to be yours. But I do know that we're going to replenish the earth. That's why what we don't know, we can't answer. But when we have the mind of Christ and we have a glorified body, then things will make sense. But I do know, I know, that I'm going to be married to my wife in eternity. I know that. And, I'm, and right next to my house, my mansion, my daughter's going to live next to me. Angel, you live across the street, okay? <laughs> and then right next to her, it's going to be my other son, John. And then my other son, John, I'm going to live with my family. And we're going to live in a glorified experience. I believe it. Gabby, I, 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 I'm trying to see if Siri can make it, but I'm not sure if Siri will make it. That's her dog. And I don't know if Neil can make it, and maybe. But, but, but I do know, I do know. I do know that I will be in heaven for seven years. And when I come back, I'm going to be my family. And we're going to have the capacity to remember everything we went through here. Gabby, you remember when we started in 2005, the church, 2015? Remember when we started? Babe, you remember all the challenges we had? Remember we was in the school for three years? And remember all the headache we went through? And, blah, 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 blah. and remember all the attacks we had? But now we're going to be talking from glory. And say, but look, oh God, wasn't it worth being faithful to God? Wasn't it worth being faithful to Jesus? Wasn't it worth loving God with all your heart? Look what God has done for us. And we're going to have children and replenish the earth and be like king. To the glory of, I tell you, church, it's worth serving Jesus.
So what role are we, are we going to play when we come to earth? Here's the role we're going to play. Revelation 1, 6 says, He made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve God forever. So we're not coming from heaven to earth to do nothing. That's why all the crowns you're going to get in heaven will determine how you're going to lead the earth. If you've done nothing, you're just going to be a citizen. But he says, based on what we've done in the kingdom, will determine how we will serve on earth. I got to skip all this. But listen to me. We will govern cities. Luke chapter 19, 17 through 19. We will have authority over nation. Revelation chapter 2, 26 says, to the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nation. That authority he's talking about here in the millennial reign of Christ. But that authority will be given based on what you've done. When you go through the judgment seat of Christ. That will be based on the, the rewards that you've done. That will be based on everything you've done for Jesus. Every time you shared the gospel. Every time you worked at the church. Every time you gave up your resources. Every time you were a part of the ministry. Every time you, you were involved in, in the church. Everything you've done in the church for God will, will depend how much crowns you will get. And based on that, God says, because you were faithful in the little, here's much. Because you were faithful in that, here's a nation. Because you were faithful in that, here's a kingdom. Based on what you've done, you will get a reward. thousand years the Bible says that during those thousand years the devil, the antichrist and the false prophet will be locked up for a thousand years, no devil nothing. after the thousand years is over the Bible says that God's going to loose the devil again and he's going to attack one more time because he's out to get as many people as he can now who he's going to attack is not going to be you and I. Because once we go to heaven and we have a glorified body, the devil can't mess with us. He can't touch us. Once we're glorified, the devil is done. He, that, that's, that's. Who is he going to try to attack after the thousand years? While we're in a glorified body, there are going to be people here that are going to stay. They're not going to go to heaven. And they're not going to get the mark of the beast. And they're going to survive the, the, the trumpets. And they're going to survive the, the seals, the trumpets. And they're going to survive the cups. And they're going to go through this whole process of torture and crisis. And they're actually going to make it to the millennial reign of Christ. But they're not going to be glorified because glorification happens in the rapture. So they're going to be still living lives. And for a thousand years, those people, imagine, those people are not going to have a glorified body. You and I, we don't live a thousand years. So that means that those that survived, that make it to the millennium, they're going to have kids. Because they're going to die. And they're going to have kids. And they're going to have kids. And, they're gonna have kids. and a thousand years later, the devil's going to be loose. And whoever remains from those that survived the offspring of the great tribulation, he's going to attack them to try to convince them to go against God one more time. Because after that, it's the judgment seat of the great white throne. And here, everybody that has ever lived, that is living and will live, that did not accept Jesus Christ in the dispensation of grace, everybody, think about the billions and the trillions of people that have ever lived the world, throughout the world's history. They're going to stand before the great white throne. And here, Jesus ain't going to judge. Uh-uh. The Father is going to judge. And here's the question, and, and the reason why God doesn't just send them to hell is because God is just. And because he's just, he wants you to go through trial. 
and who's going to declare you guilty is not the Father, is your rejection of Jesus Christ. Because God never, God never condemns nobody. We condemn ourselves when we reject the plan of God. And here's the question God's going to ask all of those people that live without Jesus. He's going to ask, what did he do, my son, Jesus Christ? Ah, but, but God, you know, Stan, I just worked 80 hours a week. You know, my business was doing great. I didn't have time to go to church. You know, I, I rest on 23 every two, three years. But, but no, 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 no. I didn't ask you if you read the Bible. I'm asking you, what did you do with my son, Jesus? All the people that have existed through time who have rejected Jesus Christ will have to stand before God the Father and God's going to ask them, what did he do, my son? Now listen to me. It's going to be a trial. And you could say, but I love Jesus. You know what's going to happen? The Bible talks about some books. There are two sets of books that are going to be open on that day. Because God's going to have proof. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 20, verse 5. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life will be thrown into the lake of fire. Now listen. The Bible says, the Bible says that God did not prepare hell for the devil, for humans. God, the Bible says God prepared hell for the devil and his angels. But when God does a new heaven and a new earth, there's only going to be two places to dwell in. In God's place or the enemy's place. Because God has to put the devil somewhere. So he's going to put him in the lake of fire and in hell. The only reason why people are going to go to hell is because they're going to deny what God has for them. God don't send people to hell. People send themselves to hell. Because it's, it's two options. Either you can live here or you live there. If you don't want to live here... To live here, you got to accept Jesus. If you don't want Jesus, you can't live here. And if you can't live there, you're not going to be in limbo. There's got to be someplace else. And that's where you're going to go. Listen to me. Anyone whose name was not found. So when you say, but I would, can you check in the book, see my name is it? Rodriguez. Let me see, Rodriguez. Nope. No, 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 no. You're probably checking Rodriguez with an ass. Check with a Z. <laughs> Rodriguez with a Z. If your name is not in here, my papa. But I used to go to church. I used to clap. How come my name not be there when I knew about church and I clapped and I sang and I know the Lord is my shepherd. I sound not one. But your name being on that book has nothing to do with the songs you sing. has to do with the life you live for Jesus. Then God says, you know what? Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to open another book. It's going to be the book. The book. Look what the name of this book is called. The Book of Memories. Sometimes we forget of the opportunity God gives us. So God's going to open the Book of Memories. Matthew 12. This book of Mary is found in Malachi chapter 3, verse 16. I don't got time to read it. But look what the Bible says in Matthew 12, 36. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. 
a book of memories is going to open. And when that book opens, you're going to have a, a big screen showing you of all of the chances God gave you to come to Jesus. That you said, I ain't got time. I'm going clubbing. I'm going partying. I won't go to that church stuff. Florida's too nice to be in, stuck in a school with OHS talking about. And God's going to show you your memories. And your own memory is going to be your own conviction. Listen to me. And those who rejected Christ will be cast into the lake of fire. Look what the Bible says. Check this out. Mark chapter 9, 46 says, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. This lake of fire will never quench. And when it talks about the worm not dying, it's not talking about a worm. The worm represents your conscience. It's like a worm, like, like you know, you look, oh, it's, 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 it's this agonizing pain in your conscience because you're going to keep remembering why didn't I accept Jesus? If only I would have said yes. If only I would have said yes. If only I would have accepted Jesus. And that torment is going to be for all of eternity. All of eternity. You're going to be agonizing. Because listen, friends, hell is not fire. The lake of fire is fire. Hell is not fire. Hell is absence from God. going to be a living hell where everything will be reminded I had all of these chances to give my life to Jesus I had all of these chances to live for the Lord but I put it aside it's going to be a time of terrible judgment it's what the Bible calls the second death judgment of the great white throne and when that season is over then we have the last part of the pillar, which is what we call eternity. John says, and I saw a new earth and a new heaven. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And John says, and in that city, I saw Jerusalem descend from heaven. And in that city, there will not, there will not be need for the sun or light to shine it for the Son Jesus Christ himself will illuminate the city and we will live in eternity with Jesus we will live look what Revelation 21 says then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away there is no longer any sea 2 Peter 3.10 says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a war, a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. This earth and the heavens have been cursed by sin and Satan's presence. And God's going to give us a new heaven and a new earth. And then the Bible talks about the new Jerusalem. I ain't got time for that. We'll read it. It's there. Chapter 21. So I don't know about you. I'm grateful that God laid out a plan for me. But here's the deal. God gave us this thing called free choice. 
And we cannot enjoy free choice if we don't have options. So God gives us options. He says, option number one is, I want you to live the way we are intended for you in Genesis chapter 1 in the dispensation of innocence. But here, I gave you the option to be faithful to me. And Adam, you decided to eat of the tree. You took the choice and led to this whole chaos. But right now, my friend, we are right here in the dispensation of grace. And God is telling you, there are two options. Embrace my son and bypass all of these calamities and reign with my son forever. Or deny my son and have to deal with all of these challenges and crises and wars and rumors of war and seals and trumpets and cups and then cross over and see all of God's people. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you, God forbid, you stay? But your mom got saved and now you see your mom here, glorified body, all blessed and, and you're here. But you're living a life and then after a thousand years, the enemy's going to attack you and mama can't do that for you. And now you're here. message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.